foods, and uh, we'll play some games, and it'll be like a little basketball tournament going on, and everything that'll be happening, it'll be fun. And then uh, if you can't stay till midnight, you can still come. You can leave whenever you have to leave. But um, about 11.30 or so, we'll gather together and uh, share a little bit, and then we'll pray the new year in. Uh, it'll be just a great, great time of uh, fellowship together. So, amen. I'm uh, looking forward to that. Uh, remember, next Sunday, can you say next Sunday? First service is at 9 a.m. Uh, we're encouraging um, those who, who feel like they can to, to switch into first service and uh, give us a little room at second service. Uh, it would be great. Uh, so um, uh, Sunday school start at 9.45 and then uh, second service starts at 11 o'clock. So remember that and keep praying for FFM Kalamazoo as next week will be uh, the, the first service up there. It'll be really excited. Doug's going to be here to preach next week. Let's give the Lord a hand for that, right? And Doug has some great things prepared for you, FFM, um, uh, talking about fresh starts. He's got some video that hopefully we're going to be able to show from uh, FOP, uh, from uh, Roger Penrose toting chairs around. He looks a lot different then than he does now. Uh, probably a little more hair, maybe. Uh, anyway, and so, uh, good things uh, from the FOP down to the Seventh-day Adventist and the journey that was there and, and to here and then now to spread out into the world, uh, starting in Kalamazoo and other areas, sending our missionaries out. So, uh, Doug's got a powerful message for the church as we start the new year next year. You don't want to miss it. Amen. So, plan on being here. Pray for us as we'll be in Kalamazoo for the kickoff up there. Amen. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I've titled this message, The Day After Christmas. Starting in verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Father, would you bless the reading of the word? to the hearing of our ear, and the receiving of our heart, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Now, how many of you have ever had an issue, something happen in your life, like just, main, just something just happened, and after it was over with, like you looked at the person next to you and go, did that just happen? Like, did that really just happen? Did that really just take place like it, it, it was so unbelievable it was so unimaginable even though it really happened it was reality like you had to look at somebody and say did that was that real did that really happen like I'm just telling you growing up there were plenty of times my brother and I should have been dead where after whatever was happening whatever took place whatever blew up whatever fell down whatever was destroyed that we barely escaped from whatever died it wasn't us, and we had to look at each other and go, did that just happen? It's one of those terrifyingly awesome moments you just can't believe. Did that just happen? And this is the question we would ask ourselves after Christmas. Did Christmas really happen? Did it really happen? Did that just happen? Like so much of our life is spent building and planning up to an event. 
Like we build, we plan up to event, we plan all the things, we plan the decorations, we plan the cooking, we plan the food, we plan the invites, we plan the way we dress, we plan all the things up to an event, and then when the event happens and it's over with, it's like we don't know, did that really just happen? It's over with now. It doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem like it's reality. Did that really just happen? Can you imagine, can you imagine after the birth of Jesus Christ, the next day, Mary and Joseph holding this baby, looking at one another, understanding them, those two had no doubts at the miracle that had happened. Those two had no doubts. Like they were the two on the face of the planet who knew that Jesus, beyond a shadow of a doubt, was a miracle. And they can look at each other holding baby Jesus, looking at one another going, did that just happen? Is this real? Like we know how babies come about. Is this real? Did that just happen? Can you imagine the day after all the hoopla, the day after the shepherds, the day after all of the, the thing, the crowds are leaving from, from the city after being taxed and counted and everything's going on. Can you imagine them sitting there going, is this real? See, at our house, maybe it's just like your house. I don't know. Our house, it's like, you know, decorating for Christmas happens a month prior to the event. Like, usually it's the day after Thanksgiving. My wife's like, okay, the day after Thanksgiving, can you get all the Christmas stuff down from above the garage and, and, and we'll start to get it together. Your job, Don, is to set the tree up, put the lights on it. Me and the girls, we'll do the rest. Okay. No, see, the snow came and it froze before the week before Thanksgiving. And my wife's already, the week before Thanksgiving, can you get the Christmas tree down? Are you kidding me? Like, just because there's snow, snow on the ground now, there's snow at Thanksgiving, none now. Like, it was warmer now than it was at Thanksgiving. <laughs> there's a month. And for the kids, for the kids, the focus is really on Christmas morning. They wake up, they open their presents, it's, and then it's all over. And at the end of the day, when all the gifts have been opened and there's nothing under the tree, it can seem to be a little anticlimactic. Like, did that just happen? Like, it's hard to imagine it was reality. Did that really happen? But when it comes to Christmas, what happens after Christmas is perhaps the most important part of Christmas. Like, many people look forward to the after Christmas sales. Hello, somebody. I know... Everybody asks me, hey, you going shopping, Pastor Don, on Friday? Absolutely not. I value my life. I worked retail 20 years. I remember all you after Christmas shoppers, how violent you are. Like that little old lady in the grocery store just run you over with a buggy, man. I'm not lying. Get out of the way. But what happens after Christmas is very, very, very important. The question we have to ask ourselves this morning is, what will we do now that Christmas is over? What will we do now that Christmas is gone? How do we fight the anticlimactic feel of everything we built up to without thinking beyond that aspect of it? That's why the sermon series was so important, Born to Give. 
So when we look at this and we think about all these things, I want to show you three ways to respond to the day after Christmas. Are you ready? Someone say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Pondering. Verse 19. Here we go. Check this out. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things. Some of your versions may say she hid these things. She treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. You know, Christmas is an amazing time. It's an amazing time to reflect on what we've seen and what we've heard. When you have that moment, when you have that moment that shakes your reality to say, did that really happen? Was that real? I mean, what you need to do is step back and reflect on what happened, right? Reflect on what it meant at that moment in time. How, how come it's, it's so unimaginable that it doesn't seem like it's reality to you? How many times have you heard the Christmas story? All our life we've heard the Christmas story. Over and over and over, and I'm sure most of us could get up here today and tell the Christmas story. We've heard enough sermons, we've prayed enough prayers, we've rubbed against the truth long enough that it's caused us to be callous somewhat in our heart to the real truth, and it can't penetrate to the depth of our daily life. Familiarity often breeds contempt. Sure it does. So the first way to respond to the Christmas message is to make it fresh in our hearts by pondering on it in a new way. That's why the Bible says that Mary pondered on these things. Like she didn't let anything drown out her thought process about who Jesus was. Like she knew, right, that before she got pregnant, nothing happened. Now she's got to go explain it to everybody. Listen, I know I'm pregnant, but you need to believe me. Nothing happened. Yeah. She's got to go tell her parents. She's got to, she spent some time with Elizabeth, and then she comes back. She's showing. She's got to explain it to Joseph. Look, I know we're betrothed. I know I'm pregnant, and I know you and I weren't together, but nothing happened. She's got to explain it to the neighbors in that culture, in that atmosphere. She's got baby Jesus in her hands, and she's pondering on the miracle of who he is. And there's, there's in her mind, there's got to be this idea, this thought process. Is this real? Did Christmas really happen? I took some time off this weekend, um, and I was at home doing some studying, and so I came across a couple of stories that I just kind of copied and pasted into my sermon because I thought they were so powerful, and here's one of them. A chauffeur had driven a chemistry professor to dozens of this professor's speaking engagements throughout uh, his tenure. And this, this chauffeur had heard this chemistry professor's sermon, or his, his, his speech over and over and over and over so many times that he, he felt like he could do it himself. And so on, on the way to one of the speaking engagements while he's driving, he, he spoke to the professor. He said, you know what, professor, I believe I've heard your speech so often that I could give your speech myself. And the professor said, you know what, I bet you 50 bucks you can't do it. So the chauffeur said, you're on. So they stopped the car and they switched suits. 
So the chauffeur put on the tuxedo of the chemistry professor. And the chemistry professor put on the suit of the chauffeur. And they switched attires. And they came to the banquet. And they sat down. And they, 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 they got ready for the speech. And the, the chauffeur got up. And he gave the most powerful speech that anyone had ever heard. And it was verbatim, word for word, just like the professor would have given it. So much so that it was a standing ovation when he was done. Feeling good about himself, the MC got up and walked over next to the chauffeur who was feeling, you know, really good about himself. And the MC says, you know, that's probably the most outstanding speech we have ever heard in our field. And he said, we are so blessed to have such a resource among us, and we've got a little extra time. Why don't we take some time for some questions and answers? The first question was given to the chauffeur, and the chauffeur stood there dumbfounded, trying to clear his throat because of the nervousness. And, and finally, in a moment of brilliance and a thought, he, he said to the person who asked the question, he says, you know what, that's probably the silliest question I've ever heard of all the questions I've been asked. Matter of fact, it's so silly, I think my chauffeur can answer it. You know, the world we live in is strange, isn't it? If you think about our Christmas traditions, they're pretty strange. I'm just going to be redneck on you this morning, is that all right? I mean, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty out there. Really, they, they are. You know how you guys you post all these Facebook little cards, you know, you put them on there, weird little sayings with people standing next to them or whatever. I don't know who posted it this week, uh, probably a new friend that I got from last week. Um, but I remember it, and it was this little thing, and it says, it was this little card, and it, it said this. It said, Christmas is just plain weird. What other time of year do you sit around the house staring at a dead tree in the living room eating candy out of socks? If you think about the Christmas story, there are some things about the Christmas story that are just, I mean, they're far out there. They're like, they're, they're far out there. I mean, if we just ponder this for a moment, Mary's doing the pondering, right? If we just think on this whole thing for a moment, an angel visits a virgin teenager and she gets pregnant. At the same time, in that general time frame, Caesar calls a tax, and everybody's got to go to their hometown to be counted in tax, and so they've got to make a trip to Bethlehem, a long trip. When they get there, because everybody's going there, there's no room, there's no vacancies at the Holiday Inn Express. And so God, God in the flesh, is born in a stable. Are you tracking with me? This story hasn't got weird to you yet? God born in a feed trough. The creator of the cosmos comes in flesh, not like Zeus off of Mount Olympus with a 
bolt of lightning in his hand. No, 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 no. Not like, you know, Superman flying with a cape, right? Not like the Incredible Hulk, right? Or from Gamma Ray. No, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about God, the creator of the cosmos, choosing to come and be born in a stable. Just a weird story. So we really spend some time thinking about where else should a lamb be born. It's all too incredible to believe. I mean, you've heard this story so many times. You ever stop to really think about this story? Like, it's in our Bible. We just accept it. Like, I, I, I tell you what. I, I, I've been preaching and teaching and doing ministry for a long time. And I am surprised at the people who, do, who say in the world that we live in, they don't believe in things that actually are in the Bible. Like, do you, do you understand the Bible's full of that? Yet when you read the Bible, you've got no problem believing that. But if it happens in front of you, you go, I don't believe it. If somebody tells you a story, like you, you want to look at somebody and say, did that really happen? Imagine one of our young ladies coming to us today on a Sunday morning, pregnant and saying, don't worry about it. God said it's okay. I mean, let's just speak to the matter. It's not a sin to be pregnant. Y'all better hear me very clearly. It's not a sin to be pregnant. Imagine a young lady coming in and saying, yeah, don't worry about it. It's okay, though, you know. God told me it was going to happen. Imagine your daughter. Think about this story, church. C.S. Lewis said this. C.S. Lewis said this. Are you ready? He said, we don't need to be told new ideas so much as we need to be reminded of old truths. This Christmas, we remember the meaning of Christmas. God gave himself for us. He was born to give. He was born so that each and every one of us might be born into the family of God. That baby born in Bethlehem church over 2,000 years ago is the savior of us all. So we, we can't forget the real reason for everything that we do this time of year, especially when we look at a world who sings our worship songs freely this time of year. Those Christmas hymns, read them carefully. They're not just seasonal holiday songs, church. They are songs of passionate worship about the birth of a living Savior among us. They're our songs. The world is singing our songs. Joy to the world? The king has come. He's my king. He's your king. Hello, somebody. All silent night? They're our songs. Let me, let me get, I read, this, I read this again this week. Let me share this with you. There's a wealthy European family who decided that their newborn was going to be dedicated, uh, and, but they wanted to do the dedication in their enormous mansion. And when I read this story, I couldn't help but to, to think uh, this past year we went down to North Carolina and we went to the Biltmore. Uh, if you've never been to the Biltmore, North Carolina, who's been there? A few of you have been there? Yeah, beautiful, right? When you walk in that place, like it takes your breath away. You just go, this was somebody's house? 
it's like 165 bedrooms and I don't know. I mean, it's just incredible, beautiful, this, this mansion. I just think about this idea. And so this wealthy European family who had, who had this governess taking care of their baby, and they had all these servants, and they wanted to have a baby dedication in their mansion. And so they, they scheduled the date. They invited dozens and dozens and dozens of, of their family and friends, and they created this elaborate affair. They all dressed so elegantly, and after... When they came in, when they showed up, after they showed up, they would hand their coats to one of the servants, and the servants would take their coat upstairs and to a bedroom and, and put their coats all on one bed in the bedroom. After depositing their cloak, coats, then the guests were entertained royally for the evening. Soon came the time for the main purpose of the gathering, which was the baby's dedication. But no one could find the baby. The governess, she ran all over the house looking for the baby, upstairs and downstairs, and she returned with a desperate look on her face. And so uh, the, the family got all the guests frantically searching for the baby all over this great mansion. And, and someone, someone said, you know, I recall seeing him sleeping on one of the beds. When they found the baby, there he was. He'd been on the bed all night long, buried beneath a pile of coats and jackets. The object of that day's celebration had been forgotten and neglected and nearly smothered. The baby whose birthday you and I celebrate is easily hidden beneath piles of traditions and culture. And so, did Christmas really happen? Like it's over? What's next? Like we planned all the way up. We planned gifts. We planned food. We planned all of this. We need to enter into the Advent season remembering the main question is this. Where is the baby? Like if every guest had come in and asked that question, because that's the reason they were there, before they took their jacket off, how many of you know the baby would have never got lost? If the church would continue to ask this question, not just at Christmas, but every day, where's the baby? We'd be a passionate people who'd never forget about who Jesus was. And so we've got to ponder on who he is. We've got to think about who Jesus, we can never lose him in sight of who he is. We can never lose the idea of Jesus, God himself being born to save us. That's because of that that takes me to the next part, which is praising. Look at verse 20 here. This is good. And it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. These shepherds, they were witnesses to the greatest birth announcement that had ever happened. The only problem was no one wanted to hear from shepherds. Like they were the lowest of society. They were the lowest class of people that had lived. Like they, if they witnessed a, a tragedy, if something had to go in front of the court, that a, a shepherd could not even be called as a witness. And yet God, and yet God makes the birth announcement to G, about Jesus to people who can't even testify in a court of law about him. The 
sure you've heard this over and over, but again, let me, let me just go back to verse 10 in the same chapter. And it says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of Bethlehem has been born to, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ. This is a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Listen to this scripture. You need to understand the scripture. I want you to have a little passion for this portion of the scripture. The angel came to the shepherds, church, and this is what he said. I bring you, everybody say me. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. I'm coming to you personally. I bring you good news. A Savior has been born to you. Everybody say me. This is a sign for you. Everybody say me. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Everybody say me. See, the angel's message to the shepherds was that Jesus is your Savior. The angel's message to the shepherd is that Jesus is your King. The angel's message to the shepherd is that he is your Christ. He is your gift. He's a sign from God. He is yours. That's why we've got to come to the, the shepherd stood up and said, somebody somewhere finally honored me with a gift. We've got to go tell everybody. It's good news, not only for me, but for all the world. And it says they returned praising God. Jesus is just for you. I'm not trying to preach, preach you a man-centered gospel, right? But sometimes you need to be reminded very passionately that God loves you. Because the devil tries very passionately to convince you that he doesn't. The world tries to convince us that God doesn't love us. All our circumstances, all our situations, all the tragedies we go through, what Lynette talked about and Donna talked about this morning, all of those things, they get into our life, they fester into our souls, and they try to rot our being, convincing us that God doesn't love us. But church, here's the fact. The angels showed up, and they told the shepherds, God is for you. God is with you. God loves you. This is who he is. He's for you. Sometimes we're so focused that God so loved the world that we forget that he loves me. We were singing that song one day, and I, I was singing it, uh, that we sang here, the very last song. And, and I, cha I changed the words a little bit, you know. And I was singing, oh, how he loves me. And Eddie's like, he only loves you? I'm like, right now, yes. Sometimes you just got to remind, you know, David said he encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you got to preach to you, right? Sometimes you got to preach to you. David said, why so downcast, oh, my soul? Like David, David is trying to get his soul to the place where his head is at. Are you with me? Have you ever been there? It's like you know it. You know that Jesus loves you. You know that he died for you. You know how much God cares about you. But your soul's just not in it because what you're going through is drawing you back to the fact that, that you just can't keep your head in it. And you have to cry out, why are you not buying into this? Why do you not understand and believe? Sometimes you got to preach to you. At our house... This is so good. I love it. And, and it's, I don't know, the Lord's working on me. But the girls, 
have a great time at our house when they come over. And, and during Christmas time, as soon as the tree goes up, they always go to the tree. And they, every time they come over, they go right to the tree to see if there's any presents under it. And uh, they want to find out, you know, whose present is what and if they've got a present under there, right? And they, they keep count. And, and they know. They know exactly where that present was, right? And, and they know if their name was on it or not. And so, you know, we write all these things on there. And so they go over and they look and they start counting and they start talking about this present and that present and, and all these presents. They even get excited when they find a present that's for their sister. And they go over, oh, look, Kelly, this one is yours. Oh, Kaylin, I've got yours. Poppy, there's a new present under the tree for you. They're so excited about that. Well, you know how devious I can be sometimes. I just put a present on it with no names under it. So they come carrying this present with no name. They're like, Poppy, whose present is this? I said, it's mine. No, it's not. It doesn't have your name on it. That's okay, it's mine. No, it's not. it doesn't have your name on it, Poppy. How, how do we know it's yours? Because it's mine. It's in my house. It's my present. And so they don't believe me. They go over to Nana, who can't lie. Nana cannot lie. Like, Nana can't fudge. She can't do anything. And they know. They know. They use this against Nana. Nana will tell us the truth. And they take this present. Nana, whose present is this? Is this Poppy's present? No, it's not Poppy's present. Whose present is it? See, Bobby, we told you it wasn't your present. I know, the Lord's working on me. They can tell which gift is theirs because it has their name on it. See, the message of the angels was what? Jesus is yours. Like, once you tell one of those girls that that present is theirs they remember the shape the size the package the wrapping where it was placed at under the tree they remember the detail why because they're so excited that they have a gift see if we if we could be so passionate and praising jesus in that way how we never forget who he was fact that Jesus came for you means that you need to respond to his incredible gift. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do personally with him? I was at the, the hardware store Saturday. I had to pick up a little project going on at the house and I needed to pick up a couple of things and I wanted to get up there before it closed and I, I wound up being up there about an hour and a half. And uh, it was just in Ottawa and I got back and my wife's like, where have you been? Well, I was just at the hardware store. She said, it's just a couple miles down the road. Did they not have what you needed? Did you have to go to Three Rivers? No, I got to talking to a couple of guys. And Randy Evans, Pastor Randy, had introduced me to a couple of his friends. And, and they started asking some questions about the church. And they started asking questions about what God was doing. And, and, and they heard me talk. And they said, well, you, you're not from here. Where are you from? So, you know me. I struggle to tell a story. So I started telling them a story about how I got saved and about how I was so blessed to be, by the hand of God, to be put with a man who not only taught me what it meant, Jesus being the gift of salvation, but he also taught me what it looked like to walk with Jesus every day. And we got to talking about what it looks like to walk with Jesus. 
versus what it means to just open the gift of salvation and hide it. See, a life of praise really bubbles out of us when we walk with Jesus. See, you can't look at your worship team. You can't look at your pastors. You can't look at the person sitting beside you. The gift is for you. The gift is for you. And you have to determine how you will respond. You must respond to the Lord through praising Him. Someone once said that we become a generation of people who worship our work, work at our play, and then play at our worship. I want to follow that statement up with this one. You can tweet it, Facebook it, so that people can realize it. Our pews are occupied by people who want to be moved, but don't want to move. Especially in the Western world. It's the preacher's job to move us. It's the worship team's job to move us. It's the Sunday school teacher's job to teach our children. Right? It's children's church job to teach our children. It's, it's church, the church's job to teach our kids or our family to how to walk with the Lord. And each week we come and we fill pews, which I'm grateful that the church is full. But here, here's where I'm at. I'm not satisfied with a church that's full of people who don't want to move. I mean, did Christmas really happen? Because, like, Magi traveling a couple of years. Hello, church. Angels making announcements. A king being terrified at a baby. That a baby would take his throne so terrified over this baby that he had all the male babies killed. Christmas really happened? Like, can you see Joseph when he has his first dream? He wakes up, he's got to look at Mary and go, is this this really happening? We crave the experience of worship, but church, we we don't really have a passion for it. But worship is what we were created to do. Can I say this to you? Remember what I said in the beginning? You can, you can tweet this one too. God is most glorified when you are most satisfied in Him. Like when, my, when I thirst for Jesus more than I thirst for the things of the world, God is glorified. When I hunger for the Lord more than I hunger for materialism or praise of men, God is glorified in my life. You, you understand what I'm saying? When I'm satisfied with something, nothing else will fill me. Come on, like, like, like I shared with the first story I'll share with you. Like tomorrow, I'm going to Chicago. My wife and I are going to spend the day, and, and we're going to go to Fogo de Chao. Hello, somebody. How many of you ever been to Fogo de Chao? Hello, somebody. It's a Brazilian restaurant. They, they, bring, like, they bring meat out on, off the pit, and it, they just cut it, carve it right on your plate. Like, they just cut it right off, and it just lays right. It's beautiful right there. It's just, they've got this salad bar. Like you would, it's like something you've never seen in your life. I'm just, I'm just telling you, they've got, it, oh, it's amazing. Don't go over there. It's evil. 
Just bring the meat. Just bring the meat. Like, I want to eat what eats that. Bring the meat. They got like 15 cuts of meat. And like when we go with Eddie and Ann, like Eddie, you know, he speak, Eddie's Portuguese. And so they speak Portuguese. And so Eddie starts to build a rapport with the servers and all of that. And so then Eddie gets them to bring out the stuff that they keep in the back. You know, the good stuff that they don't bring out. Eddie gets them to bring One time we were there. No lie is amazing, right? We were there. And it was like a, it was like a scene out of Flintstones. Like Eddie got to talking to this guy. I could care less what he was saying just as long as he was saying bring the meat, Right? So they were talking, and the guy you could see, he was saying, I'll be right back, I'll be right back. And this guy came out with a cutting block as big as the top of this pulpit. And on, so, on top of there were like ribs off of a brontosaurus. I don't know. They were just sticking up like this. And, and there was meat on the side of them. And he put it on the table, and he started carving. I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, can you wait just one more day? <laughs> like we ate so much that day. That when we got done eating the main food, they brought out this dish. You could not believe the dish of desserts that they had. It was so beautiful and elegant. And they're like, would you like dessert? And I was like, oh, no. I'm so satisfied. Like the next morning, my wife said, what do you want for breakfast? I was like, oh, no. I'm still satisfied. See, like if we filled our life, come on church, if we filled our lives with Jesus like that, right? Like when the world comes to tempt us, we'd be like, ugh, no, I'm so sad. Come on, y'all not helping me this morning. God is most glorified when I am most satisfied in him. Church, that is so good. I said, that is so good. So y'all pray for me tomorrow. I'll have to repent when I get done with Fogo. Number three, quickly here. Verse 17. It says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all heard it and wondered at what the shepherds had told them. Now listen to this. The third way we respond to the gift of Christ after, I mean, after the, the, the day after Christmas is by proclaiming him. Are you with me? Grab a hold of this. Treasuring Christ is something we do. Not, not by keeping him to ourselves, but by making him known to the world. Like the shepherds didn't care if no one wanted to hear from them. They didn't care if they could testify in a court of law. They had good news and they couldn't keep it to themselves. Think about Mary. Think about this. She had gone through everything she had gone through during her pregnancy. All the shame, all the guilt, all the things that society would have put on her, right? Because she, they weren't married yet. And, and obviously Joseph wasn't the father in her society. They put women away for that. You know, she had gone through all of that. But after Jesus had been born, do you think she hid him? Absolutely not. She didn't hide Jesus. Like when people came around, she didn't like tuck him away and let's pretend like he doesn't exist. Can you imagine people came to see? She's like, here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. And the shepherds, they're like, we got the birth announcement, y'all. The church has become such a place to hide Jesus. Like even our laws try to convince us that what we do inside of here is okay. 
but it's illegal to do it out there. Do you know that's a lie? Do you know it's a lie that our kids can't pray in public school? It's a lie. As long as it is student-led, they can't do anything to them. It's just a lie that they can't read their Bible or have a Bible study in public school. It's a lie. As long as it's student-led, they can't do anything to them. The enemy tries to convince us that we can't proclaim him anymore because we might offend somebody. Well, let me help you out. Your life is miserable. I got another option. If you're offended because your life is miserable and I'm offering you another option, you know, it's probably not my problem. I'd rather offend you than let you stay miserable. The Bible says that God will offend the heart to reveal the flesh. Let me give you another story. You ready? I know I don't tell many stories, but... (laughs) Luigi... Tarsio, an Italian man, he was found dead in his house one morning. And when they came to the house, if people had not been in his house for years, when they came to his house, they were shocked when they walked in the house to find that he had barely any comfort at all. Like there were no food in the cabinets. There was barely any furnishings in the house. Like, he had no comforts in his home hardly whatsoever. But what they did find find shocked them. It's a true story. Inside of his house, they found 246 exquisite violins. Not one, not two, but 246 of the most beautiful violins you have ever seen in your life. And they started collecting them all up and gathering them and wondering what was going on. And they were in the attic. They were in the basement. They were in the closets. They were under the beds. Like they kept pulling violins out from everywhere. And then finally, opening up one of the Chester drawers, the drawers inside the chest in his bedroom, at the very bottom of this rickety bureau was the most expensive and elaborate and oldest of all the violins that he had. And they pulled this violin up and they looked at it and they realized that the violin was 147 years old. Now, if you've ever heard someone who can play a violin play it, it's a beautiful thing. If you've ever heard somebody who can't play it, it's like cats in the backyard, but The shame was of this beautiful instrument that is regardless of how beautiful and expensive and priceless it was, that for 147 years it remained speechless. And I had to wonder when I read this story and I thought about this message, how many times am I like this man? I took Jesus away. Not with bad intent. Not with malice. Not with shame or embarrassment. But just because my love for the church 
the things of God, to try and protect him. Like, in my mind, sometimes I think Jesus has been ridiculed enough. I mean, all he did was heal the sick and raise the dead. All he did is make the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the blind to see. Like, like all, all he did was bless people while he was on earth. Like, in my mind sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, I see everything to go. I get angry because I think he's been made fun of enough. So I want to protect him. Maybe I'm the only one. I want to lash out and I want to protect my Jesus because he's been made fun of enough. But in our zeal of protecting Jesus, how many times do we tuck him away and forget about him? When shall we all learn that the good news needs not to just be cherished, but it needs to be told? All people need to hear it. Saving knowledge is diffused over the earth. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like the sun. I'm not, it, it's, it's incredible how the sun is not diffused. The sun is bright and it's shining. But what I'm talking about is, is it's like a torch, right, that's passed from hand to hand to hand. Like at our Christmas Eve uh, candlelight service, the, before the last song is sing, we start on the outside row and we light a candle. And then each person passes his light on to the next person as they light a candle. And we wait for everyone to pass the light that they have to the next. Such a beautiful scene. Because that's what we should be doing. Saving knowledge is diffused over the whole earth. Not like the sun, but like a torch where we've got to pass it on. The shepherds who went away that first Christmas to tell everyone they met. We've got to be like them. Come and see Jesus. The angels who interrupted the sleep of the shepherds. The world today needs the light of Christ to come and wake us up. Hello, church. One last scripture here in Isaiah 9, verses 2 and 6. The Bible says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of shadow of death, a light has dawned. Verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I'm going to take four more minutes of your time. I'm a, I'm a history guy, especially I love the American Revolution and the Civil War, just those eras of the birth of our country. And uh, if, you, if you've ever done any traveling outside the United States, you're probably not able to appreciate the United States as much as you can. There's beautiful areas in the world, don't get me wrong, but every time, wherever I go, like I'll be going with Kevin and Angela to Guatemala, but in the end of January, beautiful, beautiful country. Nicaragua, the Dominican, beautiful country. 
uh, England, Canada. I mean, just beautiful, beautiful places, right? There's nothing like coming home, though, right? During the American Revolution, in Kentucky, there was a battle that was fought near a stream called Blue Lick. And the battle is known now as after the name of that stream. And it's called the Battle of Blue Lick. You say, what's the importance about this story? Well, the importance of this story is that the battle never needed to happen. It never needed to be fought. Those men never needed to die. Why? Because the war was over. But in that day, they didn't have email. They didn't have text message. They didn't have cell phones. Hello, somebody. News traveled slowly, especially in Kentucky, because the Appalachian Mountains, it's, you know, you got to get through there. So communication didn't happen quickly, and so no one knew the war was over. No one knew that victory had already been had. And they fought this battle anyway. Christ won the victory over evil, church. And there's a world out there that doesn't know the battle's over. That part's over. The battle's over. And all that's left is for you and I to tell them. And there's mountains to climb to get to them. Come on. There's valleys to go to to get to them. There's dark places, thick places. There's hard areas. It's got, but we've got to go. If we don't go, they'll continue to think the war is on. But it's over. Jesus says, it is finished. Did Christmas really happen? You see, Joseph and Mary could say, Yes. Like each time they had to remind each other, the other would look at it at one another, point to Jesus and go, Yep, there he is. They're like, Did that just happen? Yeah, there he is. You can't deny him. How many of you know Jesus can't be denied? That's the whole argument in the world we live in today. They're trying, but they just can't. They just can't deny him. I want you to stand with me, and as you stand, I want the media team to show you a video. It'll only take a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes here. Imagine it's December 26th. Christmas is over. All the programs have been performed. All the pictures have been taken. The carolers are done singing. The holiday parties have come and gone. The presents are unwrapped. And the big dinners have all been eaten. The Christmas music is turned off. The family's headed back home. Someone from work is on the phone. The kids have a practice to get to. The house needs to be cleaned. The bills still need to be paid. The groceries are running low. 
the stock market is still down and up and down. The TV is still on. The news is still worrisome. Life just keeps going as if Christmas never happened. But it did happen. Look around. The church is full of family and friends and laughter. Because the baby is still the Savior. And the Savior is still the gift held out. To a world still looking for joy, an earth still waiting for peace, and the peaceful still sing in wonder of the God who gave his son, and the son who gave his life to add us to his family, and one day welcome us home. Imagine it's December 26th. And remember that Christmas really happened. And it changed everything. Amen. Christmas really happened? Can you help him? Amen. And it changed everything. And I, I was just blown away as I was, you know, finishing up my notes and I just kind of did some Google searching on that idea, did Christmas really happen? And this video popped up. And I was like, how does this happen? Like, how, how does this, because God is saying something, amen? Did Christmas really happen? Yes, and it changed everything. And so we have an ultimatum, right? It's the Christmas message. He was born to give. So the day after Christmas, guess what? Christmas isn't over. Amen? It's not over. Because it changed everything. And I'm encouraging you to take the list you created last week of those three names. Continue to build a relationship with them. Three people who don't know Christ. And spend this year investing in them to win them to the Lord. And let us know as elders when it happens, right? Let me pray for you. Father, the greatest gift of Christmas was Jesus Christ. And we're glad that today, Lord, when we leave this place, we can answer the question, did Christmas really happen with a resounding yes? And it changed everything. Would you encourage these good people, God? Would you bless them, God, as their journeys have brought us all together God, we've come here, Lord, some through blessing, some through tragedy, but nonetheless, we're all here and we're all changed for your good glory. So, Lord, help us to be used by your hand in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Turn around and tell somebody Christmas really happened.